This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 92 of Small Talk. I'm your host, Michelle Smallman, and our other co-host, Steve Cerruti, is here. Steve, what's up? How you been? Chilling. It's super hot out. I don't know what it's like in the loo right now, but the last two days here in Connecticut are like summer weather and it's that time where it's like, do I turn the AC on or not? Or do I keep all the windows open? Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of sweating here, but feeling pretty good. So I'm looking at the window here in the 314, and it is pouring down rain. So we're talking cats and oh, dogs. So, sick. Sick, sick. Nice. Monsoon. A little but, different. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. But also over the weekend, over MDW, we had some sunny days. And I don't know if I've ever talked to you, Steve, about the weather here in St. Louis, but it's incredibly erratic. It's hey, one day it's 92 and sunny, the next day it's snowing, at least for a couple months. But the summers in St. Louis, they come fast and they come furious. And it's, wow, the birds are chirping, spring is in bloom to boom, you can't breathe, the humidity is suffocating, and it's miserable. And we had a couple of those days over the weekend. So I know once this rain eases up, it's going to be summer here in St. Louis. You want to hear like a mildly hot, it could be scorching hot take, but I find it mildly hot. Okay, yeah, wow, Um, go for it. And no pun intended, I don't actually particularly enjoy hot weather. I only really enjoy when it's hot out when I'm at the beach or at a pool. But when it's hot out when you're at your house or you're at work or not doing something where you're having fun or like drinking a Corona, it actually kind of sucks when it's super hot out. Because then I'm just walking around sweating for no reason. So summer is great. I love summer. But I really like summer when I'm at the beach or when I'm doing something that involves water. Otherwise, being hot actually kind of sucks. Yeah, I can't imagine you loving the I'm sitting in a bucket of my own sweat. I'm sticky vibe. No, (laughs) no. My wife, Maddie, is all about whenever it's nice out. Like She's outside sitting on the porch, hanging out, doing her thing. She's outside, Maddie. My dad literally is obsessed. My dad would prefer it to be 90 degrees out every day. He hates the cold. Whereas I'm actually the exact opposite. I like it when it's cold out because you could always layer up. It's like, you know, you can always throw on an extra, you know me, I'm a big layer guy. You can always put another sweatshirt on or a jacket or sweatpants. I like sweater weather, like all that stuff. But when it's hot out, there's not much you could do other than just sweat. So I live for the summertime. I'm a Leo, okay? I'm an August baby. I love the heat. <laughs> I love me some sunshine. We've already talked about this. Vitamin D is my drug of choice. And, you know, this summer is going to be very tricky for your girl. I haven't sat this still maybe in my lifetime. I was always on the go, too much so on the go, and quarantine has really, really disrupted my just general vibe and my general approach to life. But, you know, it's been, the weather's been bad, and it's been okay, you know, March, April, whatever. Those can go. May, I'll give you May. July and August, I'm not giving you my summer. I'm just not. And I'm at the stage of this where, yes, I'm taking all of the guidelines imposed by the government and the health officials very seriously. But Steve, if I don't get on a boat with some rosé soon, my insides are going to start shutting down. Like, what's the name of a condition where if every couple months you aren't sitting on a boat in the sunshine, that as a result of that, your insides start shutting down? Because that's what I'm currently dealing with. Yeah, like, like aquaticitis or something. I don't know. <laughs> this is where like the basic white girl in you comes out a lot. And I love it because you're right. Who doesn't love to be hanging out on a boat, drinking like a hard seltzer or whatever, you know, doing your thing. It's beautiful out. You probably have a hat on because you're a hat person now, a fedora person. Right. Although it's nice. We, we will talk about your hair, by the way, because I know you dyed your hair yep. uh, as well. But I can't argue with you. I'm Again, that's another perfect example of something when it's nice out, like when it's super hot out, being on a boat is amazing. Of course, I want it to be 85 degrees and super sunny out of cloud in the sky. 
but there are very specific points in life when I want it to be hot. And if it's not one of those points, then it actually sucks. So yes, I will add being on a boat and drinking alcohol to that list as well. So I just Googled this and I, there's no way I'm going to be able to pronounce this correctly, but there is a disease called aquagenic urticaria, probably butchered that, Mm. but it's known as as a water allergy. It's a rare form in which hives develop on the skin after contact with water. So I have the reverse of that. I have reverse aquagenic (laughs) urticaria, where if I'm not around water and I'm not around a boat, I just develop a condition. You know what it is, Steve? It's landlocked-itis. It's landlocked-itis. I am stuck in the middle of the country, and God bless the Midwest. Midwest Michelle here. We know that I ride for the Midwest. I love everything about the Midwest, except for the fact that I need to be on a boat all the time. So I don't know how I balance that. You got to watch out for your people in the Ozarks, though. They're they're catching some flack now for hanging out outside, which, I mean, the Ozarks look lit. It looked pretty impressive there, but I know people weren't wearing masks and people weren't happy about it, but got to keep your people in check. I've always wondered this because I have grown, I've obviously I've grown up in the Northeast, East Coast. We are at any point really less than an hour away from the ocean. Now, if you want to go to a good ocean, like a really nice ocean, it's probably a little bit longer than that, but we are not landlocked at all. We are close to the ocean. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've probably taken that for granted in my life. It must be really weird for you, and I'm telling you this. It's not really a question. It's more of just a statement. It must be really weird not being near an ocean. I know, and we've talked about the lake versus beach town thing. We've had that argument before, and we're going to agree to disagree on that. But let's be honest. Like A lake and the ocean are very, very different things, and you would take the ocean 10 times out of 10. I love a lake, but let's not revisit that. A lake debate. is great. I'm not dissing lakes, but if we're comparing the two, you'd much rather have a beautiful ocean than a beautiful lake. It depends on what your vibe is. It depends on what you want to do. For me specifically, I need to be on a boat. I don't want to just pull up and sit in the hot-ass sand and read a magazine. I want to be on a boat. <laughs> and sometimes a lake gives you quicker access to a boat. Like, I want to throw in the new Ariana Grande and Lady Gaga. I want to be drinking a chilled rosé, and I want to feel the wind mm-hmm. in my hair, and then I want to jump in a body of water. Is this too much to ask? I don't think so. But can I quickly go off about the Ozarks? I mean, quickly, because this yes. you want to talk about scorching hot take? This is a scorching hot take. There's no middle ground here. You're either, oh, <laughs> we have to live our lives, stop living in fear, I'm raging at the Ozarks over Memorial Day, or you're sitting in the seat that I'm sitting in that's like, what in the actual fuck are you doing? So the Ozarks is an interesting place. I grew up going to it the seems lake. like it. Yeah, I grew up going to the lake I've every weekend. I've only seen the show. I only know the show. I didn't even know what the Ozarks were until I watched the show. And I haven't watched the show. I watched the first couple episodes and thought it was unrealistic and unrepresentative of my Ozarks experience. So I was like, I'm out, whatever. So I can't really have that comparison to the show versus real oh, life. Oh, you weren't being chased by a Mexican drug lord around? You that seems, I guess that is a little unrealistic. Yeah, not really. For us, it was more like turkey sandies and some grapes on the beach, you know, <laughs> yeah. on our lake beach, yeah. building a, a troll fort or something of that nature. Not really like a drug cartel vibe. But... I grew up going to the lake every weekend as a kid. My family had a house there. It was what we did. And the lake that I knew, the lake of the Ozarks that I knew is not the lake of the Ozarks that exists now. It was definitely a family vibe down there at the time. It still is. There are certainly families that go, but now they have these places that resemble a Vegas pool party. And I went a couple years ago for my cousin's bachelorette party, and we went to the bar in question that got all the pub nationally for Mm -hmm. the people being in the Ozarks. It looks pretty dope. 
You know what, Steve? It's not. I'm just going to go ahead and say it's not. Some people really probably liked it. I don't like it. I don't want to be standing in a body of water with all these other people that I don't really want to hang out with. When I watch that video, I go, that to me looks like Hoosier soup, right? Those are people that that (laughs) don't care about anybody else. They're acting like Hoosiers and they're soaking in a body of water together. It was Hoosier soup. I don't appreciate people (laughs) not caring about their fellow man. It's Memorial Day weekend. The least you could do is follow some guidelines, all right? My God. Also, for those who don't know what I'm referring to when I say the term Hoosier, Hoosier is a term that we use here in St. Louis, and it essentially means low budget. And when 100,000 people in America are dying because of this virus and you're choosing to blatantly ignore everything health officials are telling you to do and you decide that you must rage in a pool with a lake beside you with hundreds of strangers, to me, that's a low budget decision. I'm sorry. You have every right to disagree with me. But to me, that's a Hoosier decision that is a low budget decision. Rant over. Okay. Okay. Great rant. First, <laughs> I have two observations. One Ugh. is a little less serious. And it is, is the Ozarks, is that scene where that picture was with all those people like in that, you're right, it's kind of like Hoosier Souk, but yeah, you use your like, phrase. Come on. Um, is that kind of like the Jersey Shore of the Midwest? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, it's what we have. There's places in the Ozarks that are awesome. You get to a certain age and there's a cove called Party Cove where all the boats tie up and everyone's raging and drinking and partying together. And Party Cove. Party Cove. That's like uh, something yeah. that would be in some stupid teen movie. Or something that was on, like, an MTV show, you know, Jersey Shore, but, like, Party Cove. I actually think there might have been a reality show about Party Cove. I don't know. But And listen, there are people listening to this being like, Michelle, you suck. Get off your high horse. The Ozarks are awesome. Coconuts is awesome. Party Cove is awesome. And that's your right to think that. Do not be triggered by my hatred for Hoosier Soup. You know, if that's your vibe, embrace it, right? But for me— Embrace your inner Hoosier, yeah. Just do it. I don't enjoy that. And I— just, no, you're much more sophisticated than that. It's not even sophistication. It's just, okay, we're all having to follow these guidelines so that we can contain and hopefully eventually eradicate this virus. And I just said, hey, I'm dying to get on a boat. I'm dying to have that moment. So I understand why people would be flocking to the Ozarks like the salmon of Capistrano. I understand why people want to do that. But if you said to me, all right, I'm going to give you one day, one experience where you can be completely reckless and you cannot care about anyone else or the health and safety of yourself and you can rage like you used to, I'm not going to stand in a pool in the Ozarks. That's just not what I'm going to do. Yeah, but... What other option do you have in the Midwest? I don't, you tell me. I don't know. Like I don't. This seems like. I mean, at least in the show and whatever, they make it seem like that's where like, everyone's vacation lake. Yeah, is, you right? do, in and it's Ozark. a and so, it's a great time. Yeah. I love the Ozarks. I love the lake. I feel like this is coming off in a way I didn't mean it to. I love the lake. I love the Ozarks. But what's your alternative? Where are you going then? Realistically, for people in the Midwest, what are you doing with your one shot? Great question, Steve. And this is my chance to clarify because I do want to clarify. I am not anti-Lake of the Ozarks. I am pro-common sense. I'm not even saying don't go to the lake. I wish I was at the Ozarks right now. Let's go. But do it responsibly. Also, there is a lake. There is a huge body of water you can jump in and swim in and drink in and chill in at a distance with your friends nearby. If you want to jump in a pool, do it here in St. Louis with a smaller number of people. If we have a Memorial Day and I can drive somewhere, I'm going somewhere where I can safely socially distance myself and safely do X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to be like, "Mm, you know what? I want to stand in a pool with people that are probably (laughs) peeing in it and that are covered in Bud Light. Oh, definitely. But here's the thing. Yeah, yeah. That water is 
30% water, 30% urine, and 30% Bud Light. And 10, sure. 10% the other substances that I don't want to know about. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. A small percent of bodily other bodily fluids. I do want to shout out coconuts because they do have really good beverages. They have great frozen drinks there. So maybe the other 10% is the coconuts beverages. Okay, that's acceptable. My thing would be, though, do you think these people, and I'm not saying that this is an excuse, because I do actually want to ask you about a larger COVID-19 discussion, but I want to keep this lighthearted for a second. Most of these people, though, have been sort of cooped up in their home, and it's, it's kind of the first time it's been really nice out. And it does seem to be like we're kind of getting to this point where things are looking good. Now everyone's talking about the second wave stuff. We'll get to that in a second. But these people have been cooped up, is my point, for so long that it doesn't really matter where they go. These people are all just looking for an excuse to get hammered, be outside, take their shirt off, and drink a Bud Light. That's all they want to do. So the location here really doesn't matter at all. Totally. But, okay, for instance, I know a ton of people that went to the Ozarks this weekend. Their families have homes there or they rented a place, whatever their situation may be. But they were in a smaller group. They brought groceries or they went to the store with masks. They stayed within their confines and they were on a boat together, like a smaller group of people. They took precautions and they wanted to get out and escape and they took the precautions to do so. And the lake is a great place to do that. It's a great weekend away. It really is. And maybe when I was younger, I didn't have a frame of reference for this, but I don't remember it being this Midwestern Vegas. I don't remember it being we have to go down there and party in pools like this. That's what I don't understand. And so, Steve, when I was there, I had a great time. I had great drinks. But at one point, I looked over, and there's a Band-Aid floating in the pool. And that's when I'm like, <laughs> I am fucking out. I am out. Someone else's, not only is your Band-Aid floating near me, but that means you have an open wound in the water I'm yeah. standing in. That just is not <laughs> attractive to me. It's not. And, me, and again, other people are probably not as neurotic as I am, and they are listening to no. this being like, you're so uptight. Get over it. But I was the same way about a Vegas pool party. To me, that just does not seem like a good time. It doesn't really matter if you're in Vegas, you're in Miami, you're in the Ozarks, whatever it may be. Uh, no, I'm 100% with you. So maybe we're neurotic and annoying together. But for <laughs> me, a public pool is one of the most disgusting things you could ever encounter in your life. Right? Pools are great. If it's your family's pool or it's like a friend's pool or there's limited people in this pool, and you know that it's been sort of cleaned semi-regularly and there are band-aids floating around. Or at least it's at least if there is a band-aid floating around, you know whose band-aid it is, and you probably, it's not that big, it's not as big of a deal, but I am very anti-public pool. I just don't do it. I will never really go into public pools, whether it's Vegas, whether it's wherever. At least that's why, like, in a lake or an ocean, it doesn't really matter, because there's just so much water, it's really not a big deal. Public pools, that's going to be a hard pass for your boy. (laughs) I cannot, of all things on planet Earth, I cannot... Just like I said, I cannot picture you being sticky and sweaty and having a good time. I cannot picture you at a <laughs> Vegas pool party having a blast. Well, but it's just not something I've that I can see to, you doing. I've been to Marquee Day Club, um, oh. but I didn't go in the pool. Shout out. And, you know, you get, yeah, it was for my buddy's uh, bachelor party, which one of those things, too, where, and I'm not going to sit here and tell hey, let me tell you everything that I think is overrated, which I know I do a lot, but I'm going to tell you another <laughs> one thing that's overrated. Vegas, multiple times to me, is super. I've been to Vegas. I've done the pool party thing. Uh, we have like a tight knit kind of friend group, right? It was my first friend that got married, so or was getting married. So we were like, all right, we should all go to Vegas together. We'd never been together as a unit, so we're like, we should go there once. I'm glad we did it, but it's one of those things where like I'll check it off my list, and I'm not sure that I ever have to do it again. And a lot of it is because that's what a lot of it is. I'm not a huge gambler. I'm not a huge show person. And then the other thing is, all right, you can go and hang out at these pool parties and whatnot. And they're just not that fun. There's a pool. 
with all these people that are spread out a little bit, and they're all, I don't know, no one seems to be having that much fun. It all seems kind of fake. And, of course, you add the pool element to it where who knows what the hell's going on in a Vegas pool. Zero chance I'm going. You should go to Vegas once, maybe experience the bachelor party one time. But I think after that one time, I'd be surprised, or I'd be surprised if most people ever wanted to go back. I did the pool party thing at spring break. Not once, not twice, mm-hmm. not three times, but four times in different countries and different places and once you do it once you know what you're going to expect i did it four times it was wash rinse repeat every time is the same and i understand why people are dying to explode out into the social scene and why people are dying to get weird and hang out with their friends and hang out with some strangers and get some booze and some sunshine And while I think a pool party is an overrated thing, and while I think a pool party is not worth risking your health and safety and the health and safety of everyone in your inner circle, and I am good never doing it again, I can understand why someone would think it's a blast and why they would want to do it. But thinking something's a blast and wanting to do it isn't a good enough reason to go out and do it given the circumstances. Not during an international pandemic. Not during a health crisis. Okay. And let's, let's get to this then. Okay. Because I have some serious, not serious, but I want to know, I want to test the waters on what you think and whether or not I'm way out of bounds. Because you started the show by saying there's these two camps of coronavirus people. There's the people that are like, oh, like, don't fear going outside, the fear stuff, fear porn, the media is misleading you. There's that guy who is very loud and vocal on Twitter. And then there's the other faction, which is the direct opposite, which is like, I'm going to be afraid of everything. We can't open the country again. This is all about money. Mm -hmm. There's two factions. They're completely polar opposite to each other. And as always, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, right? The truth is always somewhere in the middle. That's kind of just what I think in life in general. And so these people that are kind of going out and enjoying their lives, I understand the fear is still there of like, okay, we haven't fully gotten over this thing yet. There could still be a second wave. But I also kind of think, all right, it's getting nice out. We seem to have turned a corner at least. Hospitals are as overloaded as they used to be. Where is your, I'm just trying to take the temperature of the room. Where are you at on what we should be doing sort of as a society here? Because I'm kind of sort of in the middle of, I think you should be able to go out. I think you should be able to have a good time, probably be wearing a mask and taking all the precautions necessary. But I think the two the two camps on these polar opposites are so insane and so combative towards each other that it seems like if you're not in one of those camps and you're just an idiot, and you're completely wrong. Oh, Steve, you're telling me in America, a hot button issue has two camps that are polar opposites <laughs> and have hostile people on each side. I'm floored by that. Yeah, no one wants to listen to each other and what? then there's fake news about on both sides about stuff that actually doesn't make any sense and everyone's throwing out their own statistics that tell the story that they want to portray. Shocker. Shocker. Big, big shocker. So here's where I stand on this. I think that we are in a really precarious period because while things are lessening and at some point you're going to have to open up the country at some point you're going to have to move forward not only because we can't continue to live to live in fear but because look at the state of the economy look at the state of the country at some point you're going to have to start to go back to air quotes normal life or as normal as life will be but Just like with every major thing in human history, 
there are things that are never going to be able to go back the same way, or at least until we get a vaccine. And one of those things is big crowds like that. When we look at sports, we're talking about potentially not having fans in the stands for years because it's not safe. And when you look at the way that this virus spreads, we're learning more and more about the virus every day. A lot of people are saying it gets spread through fluid. It gets spread through airflow. It gets spread through saliva, things like that. All things that you should be avoiding are baked into one situation when you're standing in a pool with hundreds of other people at the Ozarks. So while I respect people that they don't want to live in fear and that they want to live their lives, you also have to understand that it's not just about you getting sick. It's about the fact that you might not have symptoms for days and then you come back to St. Louis and potentially my workplace and get me sick and then somebody else sick who may have a pre-existing condition. It's just about the spread of this and how your personal responsibility lies in the fact that you have to protect yourself while you're trying to live your life so that you help yourself and help other people. Uh, That's very well said. And as a joke, I will say, I think the water in those Ozark pools could probably cure coronavirus by itself because of all the <laughs> random shit that's in it. It's uh, sterile. But, no, all kidding aside. All kidding aside. You're right. I look at those people and I'm like, but here's the thing. None of those people give a shit. And I understand why they're doing it. But then I also understand why it's stupid. I'm in this weird thing where, like, I don't actually have a hot take on this. I don't genuinely know. And I read a really good article. Um, I think it was in the New York Times from... It was the president of Notre Dame about why they were reopening in the fall. And I think Will Kane tweeted, actually, which is why I saw it. So check it out. It's on his Twitter. It's on his Twitter feed for sure. And he was basically talking about why you have to listen to the scientists. You have to listen to Fauci. You have to listen to the epidemiologists, all these people who are telling you all the risks that you basically are facing every time you go out and you want to go outside of your house. But you also have to make an educated decision. It's not just based on the science alone. Like You have to make a moral decision on what is better or the, should we reopen this country because of the amount of people that have lost their jobs or that have, you know, no longer have a way to have income or, you know, just all the things that go with everyday life. You have to balance sort of both sides of that. And I, I don't know what the right answer is, but I do think it's just annoying that two. And again, yes, you're saying you're joking about how two sides can't agree on anything that are completely polar opposites. But it's so annoying that they both want to vilify the other side. When I do think there are real decisions to be made about how we can safely start sort of reopening things again and start doing things again. And to your point about crowds and stuff like that, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem like if sports come back anytime soon that we're going to have crowds at least this year, probably for the rest of the year. But I don't know. I just feel like that's not going to be maybe I'm completely stupid here. I, I, and you could probably play this tape back and be like, Shruti, you're such an idiot. <laughs> I feel like next year. If this thing dies down, there's no second wave and things start happening. People are so easily going to forget. Everyone thinks the world is going to change overnight just because of this happening. I guarantee you in a couple of years, people are going to forget. That's what they do. People just forget. They're dumb. They want to go back to living their lives as easy and happily as possible. People are going to forget a lot of the precautions that this may have taught them. So I just kind of feel like in the future, we're going to go back to what we were doing before the the epidemic. Okay, but the last thing in my lifetime that was this disruptive was 9-11. And look at the security measures that are now put in place because of 9-11. And while it's a completely different scenario, I'm just saying life as we knew it from certain vantage points will never be the same because of the situation that happened that day. While I think that we will return to some sense of normal life, there will be some things that will be permanently different because of this pandemic. And that is a tough pill for people to swallow. We want to live in this bubble where we can pop in the grocery store and get a bottle of rosé or some Bud Light and go hang out with our friends and not have to worry about it. Because 
living in an ignorant bubble where you're not aware of these dangers that are lurking is a more comfortable existence. Of course it is. But for those people in the Ozarks who are out there celebrating their Memorial Day weekend, acting as if nothing has happened and as if real dangers don't still exist Part of me envies them that they are so out of touch with what's actually happening around the world that they feel this sense of entitlement or they feel like they're untouchable and they don't care about someone else getting harmed because of their actions. And while I'm angry at them, it's an enviable place to be. I wish that I didn't feel so much anxiety and so much stress every time I left my house, wondering if I'm doing things correctly or if I'm somehow harming myself and or others. It would be nice to not be in that headspace, but we are required to be in that headspace. So, yeah, I'm over here stressing. And meanwhile, we've got people in the Ozarks being like, oh, I've been cooped Zero up. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've been cooped like up. They, I deserve yeah. this. Yeah, I deserve this. OK, but what My happens? freedoms are being, you know, limit, limited here, you know, stuff like that. I always say to people, whether it's when they talk about guns or whether they talk about drugs or whether they, anything that on the political spectrum could be a hot button issue. Your perspective is always different until it happens to you. So for that dude out there partying at the Lake of the Ozark, what happens if you get sick and you give it to your parent and they die? That's something that you're going to have to live with. That's the choice Mm -hmm. that you're making. Same thing with guns. I wonder how these people who are very pro-guns would feel if someone shot up their child's school and their child got murdered. And I don't want to get into the gun thing. I'm just saying... It is so different until it happens to you. And that is what's very challenging about this current environment and this current landscape that we're living in is because we are asking a very selfish country and a very selfish species to consider their fellow man. And we have become a very selfish society and we only care about ourselves and our needs and our wants. And we live in an on-demand society where if I want ice cream at midnight, I can get ice cream at midnight. If I want to go on vacation, I can be there the next day. Everything we want is at our fingertips. So when those freedoms are taken away and we are put out, it's hard to adapt to because we live in a world where the world adapts to our needs and not the other way around. And instead of thinking, okay, I need to just chill out and pump the brakes and figure out how to navigate this for the next few months and maybe life will suck in a lot of aspects, but hey, I'm not going to get sick and I'm not going to have other people get sick. It's not about that. It's about what I want. It's about my Memorial Day weekend. It's about me getting toasted on some Bud Lights and making out with a stranger. (laughs) I couldn't. (laughs) I I agree with everything. I agree with I just love that you finished a really well thought out sort of (laughs) rant a little bit with making out, having a couple Bud Lights and making out with a stranger. Because isn't that what Um, you want when you go to those parties? You want to get drunk and you want to be half naked and you want to make out and get some strange. That's what you're looking for, no? You want want somebody to think you're hot and kind of, you know, safely seal you up at the pool and then maybe take it back for some more extracurricular activity. Yeah, that's exactly what you want. Totally. So, you know, everyone's kind (laughs) of hopped up there. Everyone's high on vitamin D and, you know, and like you said, Bud Lights, whatever. 
And they just <laughs> not to feel good in that situation. I agree with everything you said, but I do think that the one thing, and this, we're not even being political here. I don't sort of align on either side. I've always said I'm the anti-hypocrisy party. That's, that's the party that I belong to. So yeah. just, we try not to be hypocrites here. But everything you said is correct. And I do think that there will that they'll try to maybe have long-term changes because of the coronavirus. I just, I don't know. I just feel like people, you look at after 9-11, yes, like the stuff in airports obviously changed, but there was sort of a bump in patriotism and being proud to be an American for a little bit. And then look where we are now. We couldn't be further away from that now. People just sort of, the time and the mood of the country and the world just sort of ebbs and flows as things go, right? And I just don't know three to five years from now, Assuming that there are multiple of these, because if this, that's the other thing, if this does become the new norm, then who knows? Maybe, you know, this is sort of the new norm that we live with. But saying this is a one-off situation where it's one virus and, you know, we have relative safety for the next, I don't know, decade or so, people forget very quickly. They have short memories and they revert back to what is easy and what they have done in the past. For example, one of the things that people are talking about that could go away is shaking hands with somebody, which was always the proper way to introduce yourself, Right. And I think it's very easy to say, oh, yeah, nobody's going to shake hands anymore. It's going to be super weird. And then I just think two years from now, if everything is safe, people are just going to start shaking hands again because that's how it works. I went to my first client meeting yesterday since all of this started. It was a very interesting experience. We all walked in. We had masks. We sat apart from each other in a big room and no one shook hands. And it's the first business environment <laughs> that I've been in where I was like, hey, what's up? I kind of, I didn't know what to do with my hands, you know, I was like, I kind of did like the little head nod and like the wave. And then I'm like, yeah, elbow tap. You can't be cool doing an elbow tap. You can't like, not you be like cool. Plus then you have to get in their space anyway, and you're trying to stay six feet apart. So that's kind of off limits too. So I didn't yeah. really know what to do. And it was just so funny because we all did this awkward dance of like, Hey, what's up? Good to meet you. Okay. Uh, sit down. Is this far enough from you? Are you going to wear your mask? What's going on? You know? And it was just about the fact that everyone was being conscious about what was comfortable for everyone else, I thought was exactly the environment. Well, so spatial awareness in general is a very underrated quality. I would say just a, awareness in general, spatial awareness, situational awareness, whatever. That is probably the, to me, maybe the most important quality a person can have. If you don't realize that you're like invading someone else's space, those people for a lot of reasons cannot be helped. Like, they just don't even know that they're doing it. And those people just drive me absolutely insane. But I don't think in two years, again, I'm, I'm saying in a perfect world, if this thing, we, it gets sort of eradicated and things go back to normal, we're not going to be waiting six feet apart in lines at the store anymore. It's just that's going to go away. I don't know. We'll see. Because what we thought Maybe about... Maybe takes exposed will get me in a couple of years, but I don't know. That's, how, that's really what I believe. You're probably right. And people want it to go back to what it was before. Little things that we did every day, we took for granted, you know? But... I just think what we thought about the virus a month ago is different than what we think about it today. What we thought about it yesterday is different than today. And what we think about it tomorrow and a month from tomorrow is going to be different. And that's why I don't feel comfortable going out and doing things the way that I did before, because I don't know what a second wave will look like. I don't think anybody knows what this is going to look like. So at the end of the day, I don't know about science. I don't know about medicine. I don't know about viruses. But I do know that if the people who are at the top of their profession, the smartest people in the world at disease control are telling me to do X, Y, Z, I'm going to follow those protocols. I'm going to listen to people that are much smarter than I am. I agree. And, to, you know, long story short, all we know is that whether there is a pandemic or not, you're not going to find Michelle in the Ozarks eating Bud Lights. No, I'll be on a boat drinking some rosé at a safe distance. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, with a great fedora on, hanging out, probably posting Instagram pictures. But also shout out Bud Light because I do love me a very cold Bud Light.
I was thinking the other day, things that I miss, because we were talking about this on the show. Again, if you could burn one experience where you're like, okay, I'm I'm just throwing it back. We're, we're rolling it back to normal. What would it be? I said boat, friends, vacation. But a very close mm-hmm. second is baseball game, hot dog, frosty, Bud Light in a cup. I love a baseball <laughs> game and a hot dog and a Bud Light. There's well, just there's few greater joys in my life than that scenario I just outlined. I'll trade you the baseball game for I would like to be sitting on a beach drinking some sort of because I'm a big Mexican beer guy. Like I love cervezas. Give me a Corona, Sol, Modelo, whatever, Pacifico, mm-hmm. any of that stuff. Give me that, a beach, maybe some cornhole and a good amount of space around me. Because I don't like crowded beaches. Like, crowded beaches are the worst, too. Like, a good beach where I can have some space and everyone in my party can have some space. That is what I probably miss the most. Although, I could probably... You, I mean, people are doing that. Like, beaches are open even here in the Northeast. You can do stuff. Um, you just have to kind of be safe. Like, this is what I've always said. Just don't be an idiot. Don't be that guy that's, like, aggressively trying to defy orders from an employee at a Target. Can you just listen for, like, two seconds... Everyone else realizes how difficult the situation is. You don't have to make it any harder by saying, oh, you're, you know, intruding upon my freedoms and my, you know, whatever. Just follow rules for like two seconds. It's not that hard. You don't have to be an asshole all the time. You can still have fun while still being safe. And that, I think, is my overall point in this entire thing is that I do think that we need to start sort of, you know, pushing the boundaries a little bit on what we can do, but still wear a mask. Be conscious of other people. You can do both of those things at the same time. Try to make everyone else's life a little bit easier because the sooner we do that, the sooner we can get back to doing normal things that we love. You've been socially distancing, Steve, for some time. Me? Yeah. Your lifestyle is kind of one of socially distancing. Oh, college, Steve? I talked about this with my friends. If I was at home and I was in college and all I had to do was go to a couple classes online a day, I would play so much fucking Call of Duty, it would be unbelievable. <laughs> I would, that's all I would be doing. Quarantining is actually not that big of a deal because I like to be at home. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a little bit introverted. I still like to go out. Like, I do miss going out and hanging out with friends, but I don't want to do that all the time. But being home, sitting on the couch, watching movies, playing video games, being a homebody is something that I am very comfortable with. So I have not felt uncomfortable this entire pandemic. What is the thing that has changed you the most? Or what is one thing that when you do get to go out and you'll look back on quarantine, you're like, wow, I can't believe I did that because I'm in the middle of, what is this, the second month of this, where the first month was very erratic and I needed to take control. And so month two of quarantine has been very strict for me. And I've been looking at the past month being like, I can't believe I've made so many lifestyle changes in the past month, but it just had to be done. So I think it's easy to fall into two extremes. You can either take the, I'm going to improve myself route. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to make the best of the situation. I'm going to exercise and eat healthy because that's really all you have to do. There's something else you really have to do when you're at home, or you can go the complete opposite way and just say, Hey, I'm not going to cook. I'm going to order out every night. I'm going to eat that food. I'm going to gain 15 to 20 pounds. That's what's going to be my lifestyle now because it doesn't matter. Cause I'm kind you know, I think you could kind of fall into one of those two camps. I like to think that I'm sort of in the, I've tried to make the most of my time. Like, for example, I have built a patio in my backyard during this pandemic, which is something that I never thought I would ever be able to do. Um, but I've just had the time and I'm just at home. So getting involved digging, putting down stone, putting the tiles down, all that stuff. I was like legitimately out there, like laboring day in and day out, which is a really good feeling. But without the pandemic, I would have never done that. So I kind of feel like I am the best version of I am, of myself right now, at least from a productivity standpoint, I've never been more productive probably not job wise necessarily but stuff around the house of getting shit done that needs to get done like chores and things like that like bettering off my situation the pandemic has been great for me in that aspect 
Yeah, honestly, you are thriving. And I hate when people say, oh, I'm thriving. But, Steve, you're building a patio. You're getting manual labor workouts in. You're tan. You've shaved your head. You actually are thriving. I kind of am. I like this new version of myself. Now, again, I don't want this to be a permanent thing. You're right. I am as tan as I've been probably since I was in my early 20s. Which, by the way, you know what sucks? You look back at, like, pictures of yourself. Why do we stop tanning? When I was a kid, I used to, like, go to the beach for three minutes, and I would be beautifully golden brown. And now... I just burn and I get like these awkward patchy tans or whatever. Like it's embarrassing. I look at pictures. I'm like, um, am I even the same person? But yes, I have. I am probably the most tan from working outside that I've been since I was in my early 20s. You know what else pisses me off? Amazing lashes are wasted on babies. Okay. As you get older, your lashes are in a different proportion to your face. I look at all my friends' babies and I'm like, why are their lashes so amazing? They will never appreciate these lashes. This is unfair. Uh, I have never really noticed babies' <laughs> lashes. So I can't really say Check anything about this. I'm, Check it out. I, I'm sure if I Google baby lashes, they'd be like, wow, these are pretty luscious. Well, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> I have been gifted with good Mediterranean eyelashes, so I can't really complain. I mean, I don't like maintain them or anything, but uh, I, that I guess is one of the features that I, I guess I didn't even know that I had that was good, but it's good. But again, I, I would take bad lashes and, and still being able to tan well over good lashes and not being able to tan. Well, yeah, you're a dude. You know, of course you don't care about your lashes, Steve. That's true. That's fair. Have you ever met a guy that was like, oh, I'm really insecure about my eyelashes? <laughs> I've never heard a guy one time talk about eyelashes. I don't <laughs> think I've ever even noticed eyelashes on guys. Like, if guys didn't have eyelashes, I probably wouldn't even notice. Girls are very obsessed with their lashes. Girls get their lashes done. They get fake lashes. We wear mascara. It's the thing that we worry about. Yeah, it's that, it's the eyebrows, it's like the smoky eyeshadow. There's a lot of eye stuff going on with girls. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, a lot going on with girls. I mean, you heard us <laughs> talk to an, an Instagram model uh, in our last episode who talked about tanning and maintaining herself. I mean, the maintenance that it takes to just look presentable as a female, you would not mm-hmm. imagine the amount of time and energy it takes to just maintain what you have going on. That's not even talking oh. about improvements. You're right. I don't deny it. And there are things that I don't even know. I don't even know things that I don't know, if that makes sense. And here's the thing, like lotion. Like I don't put lotion on. Like, I don't put like body lotion on. I probably should because it'll make my skin look better. But like, that takes so much time just putting lotion on. I'm like, nah, that's a hard pass. Yeah. I'll like, put lotion on if I'm a little bit sunburned. But other than that, like, I'd never put lotion on. Hand lotion. My wife always puts hand lotion on. It's like, oh, I got to like, my hands have to be soft. I have never put hand lotion on in my entire life. I hate you so much that you don't have to worry about your lashes and you don't even have to wear lotion. No, I don't moisturize. I don't. Maybe at some point I'll need to, but I don't. My entire day is revolved around moisturizing and hydrating. That's all I care about. So for the past, what today we're taping this on May 27th. For the past 27 days, I've been vegan. I've been working out every day. I've only drank alcohol one time. I've been so focused on hydration. Oh, you're vegan? Yeah, for 27 days, I've been vegan. I told Whoa. you, the first month I, of quarantine was erratic, and I had to take control. So I was like, I'm giving myself a strict wait. diet. I'm removing things, so I have to be very intentional about what I eat every day. Is it public knowledge that, you're, that you've been vegan? Because no. I feel like you can't be a vegan without telling everyone that you know that you're vegan. I know. And I've been working out every day, sometimes twice a day, and I haven't filmed it on Instagram wow. one time. I know. You're defying every sort of stereotype of the, you know, millennial gen whatever people. that I just always assume that every vegetarian and vegan, you couldn't be that without posting about it on Instagram. Yeah. I am just debunking myths left and right <laughs> over Good here. Good for you. Thank you. Good I, for you. So we're both thriving, basically. I wouldn't consider myself thriving by any means. I wanted... Well, you just got your hair done. Oh, yeah. I'm 
Honestly, Steve, who am I? I'm a blonde vegan. Who am I even? I don't even know myself. I don't even recognize who I am. The other day, I had a 30-minute conversation with someone about the joys of my new weighted blanket. And then I had a conversation with someone else, with a mutual friend of ours, about how I've been doing a daily gratitude journal and how it's really changed my perspective on life. Honestly, who am I? I'm bitching about the Ozarks. I'm working out every day. I'm not eating meat. I'm sleeping with a weighted blanket and I'm doing a gratitude journal. I should be more zen than I am. What is going on? Who am I? Who am I I even? No, this is more on brand than you think. Because all those things I would picture, like I wouldn't picture you being an Ozark girl. I would 100% picture you trying different hairstyles. I think this is more you than you're leading on to. But I am an Ozarks girl. I'm just not a pool Ozarks girl. I'm a lake girl. Yeah, you're like a hangout with a bunch of good friends at a nice house, but not like a pool party Ozark girl. We know who you are. I'm a give me a raft. I'm jumping off the boat and I'm going to float on the raft in the lake with some beer. That's me as an Ozark girl. You strike me. You strike me as one of those girls that isn't afraid to do fun things on the, like, like go tubing or like, you know, like you're not one of those girls that just sits on the beach or on the boat and tans for 12 hours a day. Like you get in the action, you water ski, you tube, you jump in the water, you do cliff jumping. You're not looking at this stuff from the sideline. You're getting involved in the actual fun action. That's a great read by you. I love tubing so much. It is so fun. I'm terrible at ski, at water skiing. I can snow ski. I'm terrible at water skiing, but I'm going to try every time. I'm going to get up and see if I can stay up for more than 10 seconds every time. Because, yeah, I love boat living, but at some point you want to get in the water, you want to have some fun. Yeah, I am a big boat jet skiing guy. Not jet skiing. I've actually only been jet skiing once. Uh, like, really? I've, I've wakeboarded once. Yeah, I forget when I jet. I think it wasn't like a family vacation, but I actually don't have very much experience jet skiing. Although jet skis seem super dope. It's awesome. Um, but it's so fun. Tubing is one of those things where like, I know it's kind of for kids, but I don't think that at any point in my life I would not. If someone was like, hey, do you want to go tubing? I'd be like, no, that's lame. Like I would always want to go tubing. Yeah, tubing so fun. There's no negatives to tubing. It's a great time every time. Like I would rather go tubing than hang out at a pool party with a bunch of random people that I don't know. Exactly. I would rather be with my friends on a tube having a good time. The only negative about tubing is if you go tubing off of a jet ski or a boat and the line, the cord gets caught sometimes in the motor. If that's ever happened to you, you know what a big bummer Mm. that is because it takes up the whole day. Yeah, that doesn't sound super fun, but I don't have any firsthand experience for that. So, But anyway, so to circle back, yeah, I've been vegan for almost a month. And as soon as the month is over, though, I'm back. We are evolving ourselves back to the meat-eating, beer-drinking Michelle that I am. So you're a blonde vegan, and I am a bald tan guy now. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we, we have evolved. This is, we're like Pokemon evolving through this pandemic, and we have evolved to our best form at the end of the pandemic. <laughs> We're going to look back on this and I'm going to th- I'm going to be like what was I doing? <laughs> I will say yeah. this. People who are vegan have unbelievable discipline. Like shout out vegans because I have been doing a meal delivery service so it's been very easy for me to stay on course because all of the prep yeah. is taken away from me. And I'm not really going out to restaurants the way that I would have, so it's not like I'm having to avoid things. You're not tempted. I'm not yep. tempted. That's a great way to phrase it. But think about cheese. Think about the deliciousness of cheese and how every day you as a vegan would have to say, you know what? I can't do it. I cannot have a cheese pizza. Or if I do, it has to be vegan cheese. Or no, I don't want my plant-based burger to have some Swiss on it. That is very tough to say no every day. I could never be vegan mostly because of the cheese factor and I just like eggs and I like milk and things like that or whatever. I'm an espresso guy and I like need whole milk. I don't like any other milk alternatives. Like I'll put milk alternatives in my cereals, 
but I will not put milk alternatives in my coffee. I just don't like the taste of it, if that makes sense. So I, I know I can never be vegan. I definitely could be a vegetarian, though. But I've always said about being a vegetarian is that I'm not impressed if you have a personal chef and you're a vegetarian because it's very easy for a personal chef to cook you delicious vegetarian. There are plenty of delicious vegetarian meals where I would be like, I don't need to eat meat. This is freaking delicious. The problem with being a vegetarian is when you're at home and you're by yourself or it's like you and a spouse or a couple or whatever, cooking for two people and being a full-time vegetarian and thinking of different ideas to spice up your life with different veggie options, that's really difficult. So I actually am not that impressed with people who have personal chefs and like famous people that are like, oh, I'm a vegetarian or I'm vegan because it's not that hard. It's really hard when you're just a regular Joe Schmo trying to think of different vegetarian ideas to eat every single night for dinner and not getting super bored with it. So I think I could be a vegetarian, but I could only do it if I had a personal chef. Okay, so now that- Or meal service, like you said. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been difficult for me at all. That's probably why I haven't told anybody because it doesn't, it's not very strenuous for me. There's no labor involved. It's that I open a box that's delivered to my front door and then I eat it. And it's very delicious. It's very good. But now that we're in the food space, I want to get your take on something that has, I mean, this is like, I am just unloading today about everything that has been annoying me lately. So we might as well just go for it. I like it. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's raining here. It's just put me in a very, very contentious mood. But I want to get your take on cereal because I follow a lot of food accounts on Instagram, things like that. And I've seen this video that has been circulated a lot. I even did it for a one-on-one ESPN video segment where the chef made teeny tiny pancakes and put them in a bowl and then put some butter and syrup and ate it with a spoon and called it pancake cereal. And that really triggered me because I don't feel like you can call something cereal if you don't eat it with milk, with some form of milk. But then I thought, okay, but if I'm eating dry cereal and it comes from the box, it's still cereal. So my question to you is, what denotes cereal? What is cereal? Does it have to be grain-based? Does it have to be eaten in a bowl? Does it have to be eaten with some sort of milk? I don't really know. So I want to open the floor to you, Steve. What is cereal? Yeah, so I just Googled a picture of pancake cereal, and I see what you're talking about. It's like a bowl of small pancakes, butter, and syrup. That, to me, is absolutely not cereal. But then I'm looking up the definition of cereal, right? And it says it's a traditional breakfast made from processed cereal grains, primarily in Western societies. Warm cereals like porridge and grits have also a long history. Ready-to-eat cold cereals appear in the 19th century, traditionally mixed with milk or different kinds of milk. When I think of cereal, I'll never think of grits or porridge, but I guess technically by definition that is it. When I think of cereal, I think of just some puffy grain thing. Maybe it's sweet or not. Maybe it's granola. And you have to pour some sort of milk or or alternative milk over it. That to me is the base definition of cereal. I love cereal. It's one of my favorite things. I don't eat a lot of cereal because I do feel like most cereals are like dessert basically. But I don't know why you would ever think that pancake cereal is actually a real cereal. Yeah. I just don't know where these people get off calling it cereal just because they put it in a bowl and ate it with a spoon. I'm not going to throw rice in a bowl and eat it with a spoon and call it rice cereal, you know? Well, let me ask you a crazy thing. Okay. What if you okay. did this? What if you, because I've, I've seen this done before and I don't actually have an answer. What if you put in a bowl a bunch of chocolate chip cookies and poured milk over and ate it like cereal? Well, isn't that cookie crisp? No, like real cookies. I've seen this done with real cookies. Basically like your version of the pancake cereal thing, but with real cookies and milk. It sounds delicious, but I don't think that's cereal. But then that debunks everything I've just said about it being cereal. It technically is cereal. But yeah, I yeah, said I said it has to be, be a milk in a spoon. So that makes it, so I guess it makes it cereal. So I guess if I throw lasagna in a bowl and throw milk over it and eat it with a spoon, <laughs> it's a lasagna cereal. I don't know. But I feel like there needs there to be some so sort. Not you try it. <laughs> 
<laughs> what would be the gro- there are so many gross things like what if you put shredded beef in a bowl and put milk over it and called it beef cereal yeah with milk isn't that basically just stew Ew. <laughs> that's basically just a stew those are potatoes and carrots in there you got stew oh <laughs> i'm it's weird about cereal milk. come on but that's what I'm saying. We need to come to a general consensus on what is cereal because I'm sick of seeing people just throw things in a bowl and call it cereal. That's not going to fly with me. It's just not. You're very triggered on this. I and am. It's definitely because of the pancake thing, obviously. I'd have never really been, I'm not triggered about it. And I don't think, like, you're sitting here demanding we we have a, like, a, <laughs> like an ironclad definition of cereal. I'm like, I don't know. I kind of like it a little bit open-ended. But here's the thing. Like, cereal is crazy because, as I mentioned, I love cereal. And Currently, I eat regular Cheerios. I think regular Cheerios are actually delicious. I think they're actually better than Honey Nut Cheerios. Maybe that's a super hot take. But like cereal has this crazy spectrum of going from the most unhealthy thing you can eat, sugar, exclusively sugar, nothing good for you, all that stuff, to like really hearty, hearty, earthy, crunchy granola. The spectrum of cereal from what's good for you and what's bad for you is about as wide as any food group there is. Yeah, without a doubt. So I guess it's unfair of me to ask cereal to be put in a box because cereal really is a fluid, fluid, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, it is 2020. You have to let it be fluid. <laughs> How disconnected of me. Don't put cereal in a box. How disconnected of me that I've been asking cereal to conform to one thing. <laughs> cereal really can't be whatever cereal you know what? wants to be. <laughs> this is 2020, Michelle. We don't like labels. So just why don't you just let cereal be what it wants to be? It's still finding itself. It's still, it, it hasn't gone to college yet. It's still trying to find itself. If lasagna identifies as cereal, who am I to tell lasagna that they're not cereal? Exactly. 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 Really quickly, what is your favorite dessert cereal? And by dessert cereal, I mean just one that's full of sugar. Lucky Charms. And I love Reese's Puffs. Love Reese's Puffs because the milk afterwards is like chocolatey, peanut buttery milk. It's amazing. Interesting. Both you? good choices. Mine would be a, I love honeycombs. I know honeycombs is like a weird one, but honeycombs yeah. is so good. And I could eat literally an entire box of honeycombs in one sitting. No big deal. And, <laughs> but my all time favorite shitty cereal is uh, frosted flakes. Frosted flakes are a tier one cereal. End of discussion. Uh, I think they're all right, but I uh-huh. like, I like frosted flakes better than most. I, uh, what's the one, why can't I remember this? That has, um, it's the shredded thing with the frosting on it. Mini wheats. Oh, frosted, frosted mini wheats? I think frosted mini wheats. Oh, those are, are gross. So overrated. They get soggy, disgusting. Ugh. And I would be remiss if I didn't shout out Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which also has a secondary milk option that's just divine. Yeah, that's an OG cereal for everyone. I yeah. feel like everyone kind of grew up drinking or eating that. So I'll, I'll throw that in there, but it's definitely a tier two behind those other ones for me. Okay, homework assignment for us. I want us to do our Mount Rushmore of cereals next week because I really want to put some thought into this because now I'm like, wow, I omitted Apple Jacks. Should Pops be in the discussion? There's things that I feel like I wasn't really considering because you asked me this on the fly. And now that I disrespected cereal and the way that I did, I think it's only fair that I redeem myself by really coming out and shouting out cereal and putting the OG cereals on the Mount Rushmore like we need to. I like this idea, but I think we have to categorize them, too. Like, we need to have at least one healthy, quote-unquote, healthy cereal that makes our Mount Rushmore. Okay. We need to have four categories of things, because otherwise, you're just going to pick all the good ones that taste like dessert. Yeah, totally. Great call. Because there are some healthy ones that I actually genuinely do like. You're always going Lucky Charms over, I'm trying to think of one of the healthy ones. What's one of the healthy ones? 
Crackman O'Brien. Although, I don't know. Is Crackman O'Brien good for you? I don't even know. You're always going... Because now, too, there's those, those cereals that were branded as good for you, but they're actually not good for you. Totally. But if given the choice, if you're like, behind door number one is Lucky Charms, behind door number two is Kashi, you're for sure going Lucky Charms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kashi, hard pass. Unless <laughs> I absolutely have to. I mean, I kind of like Kashi, Sorry. but... I'm not, I'm not hating on Kashi, but I also think if I'm, why wouldn't I want marshmallows in my cereal if I could have marshmallows in my cereal? Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so we'll have to categorize this. Look out for that next week. I also wonder, before we wrap up on cereal, if there's an entire generation of kids that are growing up that will never know the joys of sugary cereal before school because their parents are like, hey, that's not good for you, so I'm not going to give you a ton of sugar before school, whereas we just got to chow down on our cereal of choice before school every day. And that makes me sad for today's youth. It does. And I've always wondered that, too, because I felt like a lot of the things that we ate as 90s kids growing up when we actually learned about what they were were actually completely terrible for you. Like a lot of things that you'd eat in your school lunches were just all terrible for you. But here we are still thriving, trying to do our thing. Whereas now, I think every you're right, every parent is like super health conscious and wants their kid to only eat the healthiest of things, like all natural stuff. And I don't know. I just I think I would miss out and not have enjoyed my childhood enough if I wasn't able to eat those things. Although there were a few things that my parents, not necessarily my parents, my mom, like prohibited us from eating growing up. Like I could never have fruit bowls or fruit by the foot or any Ooh. sort of gummy type thing in my lunch. My mom would never buy that stuff and would never let us eat it. So like when I would go to a friend's house, I would that's the first thing I'd always pick out. Or if I was at lunch and I had to like make a trade with somebody, I would always try to trade for one of those things because they were my favorite because my mom would never let us have them. I'm sorry that you weren't allowed to have those because I had one in my lunch every day, usually a fruit by the foot, uh, and it was bomb. They're delicious. Is there a better gummy fruit thing than Gushers? Gushers are the fucking bomb. There's <laughs> nothing better than a, than a bag of Gushers. Oh, Gushers are so good. And God, as a kid, that was such capital to have. If you open up your lunchbox and you surveyed what your mom gave you, you were like, yes, mom, turkey sandwich, some grapes, a bag of Doritos, and maybe a Gushers in there and a juice yep. box. I mean, what more could you ever ask for? <laughs> a Capri Sun. Let's oh, go. my God. <laughs> Let's go. Recess is going to be lit after I eat this lunch. <laughs> Oh, man, I would eat that today. Like, literally, the lunch you just described, I would happily eat that at age 31. I think about this. Shut up my mom, because she would make me the most bomb lunches <laughs> every day. It was white bread, turkey, cheese, a little mayo mustard. Then I would always get a bag of chips, probably Doritos or Cheetos. I would always get some sort of fruit. And then I would always get a sweet option, whether it was Dunkaroos, which we're going to talk about here in a second, because I want to shout out Dunkaroos because they're back. Well, I just did it. Shout out Dunkaroos. Dunkaroos are back. Shout out Dunkaroos. <laughs> Dunkaroos are back. But I would always have Dunkaroos and then I would have a juice box. And she would always write me a note like, good luck on your science test, honey. I love you. I saw some mom or whatever. And I would look around and I'd say, oh, you got Chex Mix. That sucks. I will trade you half of my Doritos for some of your gushers. And I would always have the best stuff to trade with. Shout out moms. Just honestly, shout out moms. Because you know what I've also learned is that, and I'm not a parent, you're not a parent yet. Making lunches for your kids every day must suck. I don't even like making food for myself, let alone making a lunch that I'm not even going to have to eat. So like shout out moms. For sure, shout out moms. There was a story that we talked about today on our morning show here, Steve, where the internet is really upset at a wife whose husband is in, I think, construction. He does some, some sort of manual labor job, and he posted how his wife makes him and packs him a lunchbox every day. And the internet was pissed, saying that she shouldn't do that for him, whatever. And I went, I mean, today is the day of me going nuts. I went nuts on the radio. I was like, what 
is so triggering about someone who loves someone else doing something kind for them. I come from a family where food is our love language, okay? We want to show you that we Italians show you that they love you by making a million things for you to eat and making sure that you never go to bed hungry. That's what we do. If a wife wants to send her husband yep. off to his job with a lunch every day, God bless her. And God bless him for probably doing something to appreciate her in return that we don't know about. But yeah, shout out moms for every day getting up early, drinking their coffee a half hour early so that they could pack us a bomb ass lunch so that we could have the capital to trade with our friends and go to recess <laughs> happy and full. So yeah, shout out moms. I mean, also shout out to Triggered Michelle, because I just love Triggered Michelle. She's just coming out fire and left and right, pissed off at everything. And you sound like me, because that's I feel like people accuse me of doing it all the time. I love this version of you. You know, I dyed my hair blonde, and I think people expected me to be light and bubbly, and instead I am enraged. No. <laughs> the blonde more has, than ever. has enraged yeah. me. I don't even know. But now that we're here in the shout-out corner. You're just picking fights with random people. This, I like I like this new Michelle. Yeah, don't mess with me. Blonde Michelle is like kill. I'm like Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. I don't know what the deal is. But now that we're here, this is something that we've wanted to do. We wanted to end a podcast with kind of a shout-out corner to just shout-out things that we were thinking of that we liked. <laughs> so now that we're already here, let's just continue. Is there something else, Steve, that you would like to shout-out? So we originally, I have five things. No, I'm sorry. I have four things that I want to shout out. Do you want to just go every other? Yeah, let's just, let's just roll through it. All right. Off of what you were just talking about, I want to shout out people who do manual labor because as I mentioned with my wife and a little help from my dad, I built a patio on the back of our house and it's a shit ton of work. And like, I enjoy doing it. And as I mentioned, I was outside a ton. I got tan. It was nice to get some vitamin D going. I'm feeling good about myself or whatever. And it's all well and fine, but I cannot imagine doing that every day for my job, my occupation. It is so unbelievably difficult. People who do manual labor, like I grew up, my dad, plumbing, heating, and air conditioning. He was a manual labor guy throughout his entire life. And I used to work summers for his company. And, you know, for two weeks, when I would come home from break or whatever, I would work for his company. That is some of the hardest shit that you can do. So I have sort of relearned that and building this patio again. So I got to shout out people who do manual labor because those jobs are super difficult, and I, and you guys are underappreciated. So shout out manual labor. Shout out laborers. You know, I want to circle back to what we were talking about, about being a kid and lunches and and sugary cereals. And I also want to shout out Nickelodeon because <laughs> when I think back to my childhood, I love that I could start my day rotting my teeth out with a sugary cereal and end it rotting my brain by watching Doug. Shout out back in the day Nickelodeon where you could come home from school and you're supposed to be doing your homework and settle in and just throw in an episode of Doug and watch it on Nickelodeon and have a great yep. time. Just watching Skeeter and Patty Mayonnaise. I love it. I love Doug. Doug yeah. is the best. Also, shout out Pork Chop while we're there, too. Yep. Shout out Pork Chop. Shout out, uh, was it Roger Roger Klotz? Is it Roger Klotz? The douchebag friend. No, he wasn't, he wasn't a friend. He was just a douchebag, right? He was like the guy that used to rag on him. Yeah. Roger Leather Jacket, right? Yeah. Yeah. There was, a, and it was always weird because I never really understood why was Skeeter blue? <laughs> I never really got an explanation on that. I don't know. But I don't think we need to know. Back, what's kind of weird? No, no, it's good. Hey, it's just, it's, it is what it is. He just wanted to be blue. I respect it. All right, let me shout something out here next. I got, so like I said, I got a bunch. I'm going to shout out crowd noise. <laughs> so as I mentioned, I think on one of our last podcasts, uh, the Bundesliga, which is the German soccer league, came back. And the first weekend, they played a bunch of games, and there's obviously no one in the stands, so it's just dead quiet. It sounds stupid. It sounds terrible, actually. It's hard to get excited about what's happening on the pitch. I'm sure for even the players, it's really hard because they're used to being propelled by some sort of fan, either hate or love. And while the players can't hear it now, but they are pumping in crowd noise on the television broadcast. And at first I kind of hated it because I'm like, this is stupid. It doesn't really necessarily match 
the excitement of the stuff that's actually going on in the game. But then the more I actually was watching the game, the more comfortable it felt and the more real it felt. And I never really realized how much I missed crowd noise in the first place. So I got to shout out crowd noise at sporting events and shout out to Fox for doing that because it's actually a really good idea. And now that we're here in the sports world, shout out Gary Bettman. I know people always want to shit on commissioners. They never think commissioners do a good job. A lot of people hate Gary Bettman, and they're entitled to think so. But the fact that hockey has been able to agree on certain factors of them relaunching to the point where the commissioner of the NHL can come out and say, hey— 2014 playoff format we're looking at two hub cities these are the things that we're looking at doing and we hope to get it done sooner rather than later shout out hockey shout out Gary Bettman because I for as angry as I seem today today was actually an amazing day because I woke up thinking wow I might get blues hockey back soon and that is something the blues are back the blues are back people hockey is back folks so shout out Gary Bettman for being a good leader in this very very tough situation and getting all parties on the same page so that we can get hockey back What's the opposite of a shout-out? Like a shout-in? I don't know. Mute? <laughs> um, like mute? I'm going to mute this? No, because I don't want to mute them. I just want to like, publicly shame them. Okay, shame. Like, shame corner? You shouting out Gary Bettman in the NHL. Yeah, shame. I'm going to shame. I'm, I'm going to put baseball in a shame corner. Oh. You know me. I'm not a baseball fan. I don't give a shit about baseball. I don't like baseball. It is what it is. Um, don't at me. But this whole thing of how baseball, and I'm not even, it's the owners and the players, so they both share equal blame here. The fact that they can't get their shit together when this is their prime time to come back and be the thing that, to be back by maybe July 4th so that Americans can enjoy sports again. The fact that they just don't seem like they're even remotely close to coming back and might miss the entire season, shame on you guys. That's actually embarrassing. I am so upset by it. It is so upsetting to me. I look at baseball and I think that, the next 10 days are critical to the viability of baseball as a sport and Major League Baseball as a league moving forward. And I know that that sounds dramatic, but if the NHL returns and the NBA returns and we know come hell or high water, the NFL is going to come back. And because of a money dispute, baseball does not come back. There is going to be a huge percentage of fans that they lose forever. That is never going to forgive them for this. And I hope that they have the broad view to understand how important it is that they get this done. I understand that the players are upset and they want their money, but all of this that's getting leaked is clearly coming from the owners. And while I think that the owner's initial offer of a 50-50 revenue split, while knowing the players weren't going to accept it, I thought it was a fair opening point. But for them to be leaking all of this and trying to villainize the players and paint them into a corner, shame corner for you guys, too, because you more than ever need the players to trust you so that both sides can come to the table and come to a compromise here. But every day that this goes on, Steve, I am more and more concerned that baseball will not come back in 2020. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame. I mean, I I don't care personally, but I just know like for people like you that do like baseball and want to see this thing back, you're 100 percent right. That if they don't figure this out, I know everyone's like, oh, baseball's fun. They make a ton of money and the, you know, the local revenues are great. You're like, yeah, but national fan interest in baseball has never been lower than it is right now. So if they miss an entire season, you can't convince me that that's, everything's going to be okay again. So I don't want to hear that, that stupid argument from anybody anymore because I've seen it floated around on Twitter a little bit. All right, two more. Let's get this thing on back on a positive note. I want to shout out GPS. Um, <laughs> we just take GPS for granted. People that are above 30, like you and I, we remember the days of having to put something in MapQuest and print out directions and have to get it that way. And if you took a wrong turn, then you were like, fuck, because you had to figure out how to get back on the route that you were on your MapQuest direction so you can find your way to wherever you wanted to go. 
I have a terrible navigational sense, Michelle. Like I literally have lived in the town that I'm living in now for like three plus years. And I still don't know how to get anywhere because I just don't pay attention when I'm not driving. If Maddie's driving somewhere, my wife, and she's taking us to Whole Foods or wherever, like some restaurant, I just don't pay attention to where we're really going. So I don't really navigate the land. So without GPS, I would literally not know how to get anywhere, even within my own town. I think we take GPS for granted. Shout out GPS. And I also read recently that it takes about $2 million per day to run GPS, to like have GPS be fully functional, which is the constraint to me. But it's totally worth it because without it, I wouldn't know where to go. Wow. Uh, two quick things. As a noted map guy, I'm surprised that you're not better with directions. <laughs> and It's ironic. Yeah. It is ironic. It That's is embarrassing. Ironic. Yeah. I mean, maybe, Steve, now that you're doing manual labor, you are changing these things about yourself. Maybe get into maps. Maybe start paying attention well, to the directions on the maps. I like old school, even like mythical maps. Like I could tell you how to get from Mordor to Gondor in two seconds if we're talking Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth, and I, I just know how to do that. Yeah, we're not. But I couldn't not. tell you how to get to the local stop and shop in my own town. Wow, that's incredible. Also, yep. sh- shout out my parents really quickly because both of them, after high school, packed up their cars with their BFFs and independently moved to California with a map like think about my mom and her girlfriends packing up like a car atlas, with like an atlas like you whip out those big things and like, yes i remember in back in the day like everyone's car had this big behind the driver's seat there used to be those pouches right everyone yeah. had an atlas or a map in it and that's how they would get places yeah. that shit is incredible to me incredible think about my mom and her girlfriends packing up a car in new jersey and with a map a physical map driving to california it actually kind of sounds fun i would want to do that if i didn't have anything else to do be like all right let's just get a map out, start checking off some places, circling some places and see if we can get there. But you probably get stuck in traffic way too much because those you're not having any traffic GPS either. But it does seem sort of liberating to like whip out a map and try to find your, you know, try to get somewhere because that's just the way the old school used to do it. But I'm always amazed at how people got places 20, 30 years ago. They just knew how to get there. That's insane. If I, if you're to say, Hey, you got to go to this place to pick up a package two towns over. I'm like, how the hell do I go there? Like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to get there. Back in the day, people used to, that, that's what people did every day. Yeah, like, shout out Lewis and Clark. Am I right? Shout out Lewis and Clark, the original GPS. <laughs> <laughs> the original GPS, Lewis and Clark. When you come to St. Louis, eventually, Steve, I will take you to the Arch Grounds, and underneath the Arch is a great museum, the Westward Expansion Museum. Great, great Lewis and Clark exhibit. Sacagawea, shout out oh, to Sacagawea. So we'll do that. All shout right, out Sacagawea. I have one more. I just really need to shout out Tobias Funke from Arrested Development. I'm mm-hmm. revisiting Arrested Development, and I don't know if there's a quirkier, more interesting character out there than Tobias Funke. The fact that he is a decorated psychologist that becomes an actor that is also a never nude that is likely gay that is married to his wife <laughs> he just is so complicated <laughs> and so funny anytime tobias funke is on the screen i am laughing so shout out tobias who's your favorite character on Arrested development is it is it tobias oh it's it's tobias followed close second by job i was gonna say i think job is mine they're like one and two though because those two i mean job Job is really hard to beat, especially because Will Arnett, Will Arnett is unbelievably funny. Um, but yes, Tobias is for me a close second. I mean, although you know who's the close third as well is uh, Lucille. Lucille oh, yeah. is underratedly one of the funniest people on that show. She's so sharply funny. But Tobias from the iconic I Blew Myself when he's trying out for the Blue Man group. <laughs> Gotta <laughs> be a better way to say that. <laughs> to when he 
is trying on a Speedo with his jorts on underneath because he's a never nude and he walks out of the dressing room and he goes, do these effectively hide my thunder? (laughs) (laughs) There are dozens of us. Dozens of us. And he thinks that he thinks that George Michael is also a never nude. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that show. Talk about being ahead of its time and just completely slept on until like people got were able to sort of watch it. I don't think it. How many seasons did it get? It didn't get that many seasons. And like it wasn't really truly appreciated until it was streamed or at least available on DVD. And, uh, man, legitimately one of the funniest shows of all time. I know, but Job coming out, doing his allusions to the final countdown is is a very close second to Tobias. They're illusions. (laughs) Tricks are things whores do for money. Illusions. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My final shout-out is uh, I got to shout-out Bedsheets. (laughs) So I was never like a big bedsheet guy. I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about them. You just get your basic cotton and maybe some jersey. I never bought expensive ones. I would always buy cheap ones at Target. It wasn't a big deal. Like it was just something that I never put much thought into. I just recently purchased linen sheets for the first time. It has changed my life. I love them. They are like are breathable. I've never understood how important sheets were until the last week of my life when it's super hot out and I'm having linen sheets and it's absolutely amazing. And for my whole life, like I said, I use cotton sheets and I never really put that much thought into it. And now I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Like I could have been sleeping so much better my entire life and I didn't even get on my radar like last week. So I got to shout out good bed sheets. If you can afford good bed sheets, go and grab some. Oh, bed sheets are crucial, Steve. Mattress, bed sheets, all crucial. We've redone a lot of rooms in our house, right? We've redone the kitchen, as I mentioned. Like, we've just done a lot of work at the house because, you know, you know, it's something to do. I guess it's fun. It's cool to put your own spin on, on different things, right? And one of the things that we've sort of neglected is our bedroom. And I sort of think you spend the majority of your time sleeping in mm-hmm. your in your bedroom. It should be the most immaculate room in your house. And now I'm sitting here thinking, like, why was that the first thing that we did? Yeah. Sheets, mattress, headboard, maybe a little sound machine good pillows. Those are things that you should invest yeah. in first, for sure. Some good art, some stuff to hang on the walls, oh, like yeah. a good color, good wall color, all that stuff. Like, I just didn't appreciate it until I turned 30. <laughs> well, now that Angry Michelle has calmed down and we've had a fun shout out <laughs> corner and I'm no longer waiting in the molten lava of my own anger, let's wrap this up with a review, shall we, Steve? Love it. So if you haven't already, please head to Apple Podcasts, search for Small Talk. It's a black box with white writing. Subscribe to it, rate it preferably five stars, and leave a review. Like our friend SMS Murray, who says, great, well-rounded podcast, five stars. I subscribe thinking it was about sports and really enjoy all the subjects they cover. They're hilarious. I appreciate that, and I appreciate angry, agitated Michelle. Hopefully we get to see more of her. (laughs) And I think that's the theme of this sort of and and shouts out to that guy because i think the theme of the pod has just been we kind of ramble about stuff and today was a little bit nostalgic talking about 90s lunches and whatever but i don't know i just feel like we do try to have the conversations that people genuinely want to have and that's why we as the last podcast we had on the uh obviously maddie who is the instagram model because we're genuinely curious we're just i don't know we just we just try to have the conversation that we think people want to talk about so i appreciate that uh i appreciate that review Is there anything else that you want to do in Small Talk Investigate, Steve? There are many things, um, whether or not they're feasible. Like, I would love to have Neil deGrasse Tyson on because, as you know, I love science. Interstellar is my favorite movie, and I just have questions about black holes and random shit like that. So I would certainly like to get on either Neil deGrasse Tyson or some sort of scientist slash astrophysicist to, like, nerd out with me a little bit. 
So that's definitely one for sure. But we're all, as I said, we're also open to suggestions. If you guys are really super interested in hearing from the perspective of some random person, let us know because we will 100% put that person on. Yeah, if you're interested in something, leave us a review and tell us what you want to hear about and we will hunt down an expert because that's what we do. Well, anyway, this was fun. Two pods in one week, Steve. Who are we? Listen, we don't have a lot going on, so <laughs> might as well bang them out. Exactly. Well, thanks again to SMS Murray for the review. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Anthony for putting this together. Thank you, Steve, for the conversation. We'll be back in action next week. But until then, stay safe. Yeah, and chill out, Ozarks. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.